0: yeah yeah ball so hard you better believe me it's scary it's basketball let the with Calvin and Barry, so put a tip in the jar. Cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets you need, or just a beer in a cup. We're here for fresh conversations. That's some delicious. libation. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys, got you covered like you being guarded by payers. From the glove to the cloud and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar. Got your drinks, and let's go. Yeah let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the Let's get
1: it.
0: What up ballers? Welcome to basketball at the bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. Not always Calvin, there's no dress code and you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is basketball at the bar. Grab your drinks and let's go. What's up, Progressive G? Good to see you here. Welcome. Welcome. What up? What up? (coughs) Happy Thursday, everyone. It is May 19th. We saw the Golden State Warriors take a commanding 1-0 lead over the Dallas Mavericks last night. Calvin, happy Thursday.
1: Happy Thursday, Barry.
0: How's your morning so far?
1: It's great. Warriors are making me look good. Yeah.
0: So I'm happy. Yeah, that's great. Uh, We got a busy show for you guys today, so make sure you stay tuned all the way until the end. We're going to talk about some injury updates to Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Derek White, Luka Doncic. Uh, Joel Embiid wins the MVP award. We're going to, going over all rookie teams. We're going to recap yesterday's game, and we're going to give a preview to today's game before we end the show, as always, with Q&A. So, Calvin, let's just jump right into it here. Al Horford, this is a confusing situation, so Man. I'm going to let you break it down.
1: Yeah, so Al Horford miraculously, after it was previously determined that he would it was highly unlikely he would play in game two he's available for game two tonight and it is a little bit of a complicated situation there are multiple routes you can return to play after being in covid protocol of course the easiest is or the most uh, common sense way is to record two negative pcr tests at least 24 hours apart Horford apparently took advantage of a new route to getting back, and that is a, a way that you can return to play on game day by, and this is where it gets complicated by recording two either non-detected test results or, uh, or excuse me, non-detected test results, not a positive or inconclusive test result. Barry, I don't know what the difference between non-detected and inconclusive are, or like you said, non-detected and negative are either way. Horford has cleared protocols and he's going to be available for game two tonight for the Boston Celtics.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's up, Ivan? Good to see you here. Uh, yeah. I I kind of am feeling similar to progressive G here uh, and <laughs> Boston had some motivation to get this guy ready to play. We'll see what happens here. I I mean, I understand the difference between inconclusive and the non-detected, right? Because it's basically inconclusive. You don't know if it is or not, right? It it could be something happened with the test. Maybe it got, uh, you know, contaminated or something like that. Or or, can't you
1: say the same thing for a non-detected test though? But
0: non-detective, you don't detect COVID at all. Maybe an inconclusive uh, does detect COVID, maybe a small amount, or maybe like this astronomical amount where you're like, this is obviously not accurate. But for okay. me, the thing that I don't understand. How,
1: how is non-detected not negative? That's my concern <laughs> is
0: what is difference between a non-detected and a negative? The only thing I can think of is maybe it's like a threshold, you know, like, like with drinking and driving, right? 0.08. Right, right. Uh, if you're over that, you're drunk. If you're .075, you're okay, but you still have it in your system, right? So uh-huh. that's the only thing I can look at. But I'm going back to what Progressive G said. This seems like some shady, shady science. Yeah. I don't know what's going on, but Al Horford will be available for play. the game tonight. All I can hope for is that if he does have it, he doesn't spread it to anybody else because that would be the main thing for us as fans yeah. is – Imagine if this dude spreads it to, like, four other players. Then what do they do? Especially if they're star players. Do they end up, like, pausing the series and that holds everybody else back? Or does Boston play without four guys? Or what if he uh, infects a bunch of people with Miami? I, I have no idea, but it's a crazy situation. What's up, Gotham? Good to see you here. What's up, Mike? Yes, it is only game one, and I predicted they were going to lose game one, but I have them coming strong back in game two. Uh, we're talking about Al Horford. He cleared protocols. Uh, he had two non-detected tests, <laughs> whatever that means, and he is available tonight for game two. He is
1: available. Let, for some non-COVID injury news, Marcus Smart is listed as probable. <laughs> he is still a game-time decision, but they are uh, anticipating that he will play tonight with a sprained foot in game two. Uh, Ime Odoka said earlier today he will still have to test the foot out pregame. Uh, but they are anticipating that he will return as well. So the the Celtics are going to have Horford and Smart back in the lineup tonight. They will be without Derek White, who had to fly home for personal reasons. His wife is having uh, giving birth to their first child, so he had to. It, it, the baby, I guess, came uh, sooner than they expected, so he had to rush home so that he could be with his wife. He will not be in uh, suiting up for the game tonight.
0: Good decision by him. Uh, if you've ever been in a relationship before, <laughs> uh, you understand that there are certain situations where it's not worth it, and yep. uh, maybe it's not worth him playing in this game um, because he doesn't want to deal with the aftermath, or maybe he's just super excited to see you know his baby not, born. Every
1: family is different. I, yep. We've seen players handle this in multiple ways. Some guys played in the game and then immediately flew home to be with their wife and child or vice versa, whatever the case may be. This is what they want to do as a family, so that's the route they're going to go.
0: Congratulations to the White family for adding another one. That is awesome. Hopefully he'll be back uh, for game three. Also, in the same, uh, I guess, note there, uh, Kyle Lowry is still out for game two, uh, so he will not be available tonight at all. What's going on with Luka Doncic? We heard about a potential right shoulder injury for him that was bothering him in last night's game. Any updates on that?
1: No updates. He's not listed on the injury report. I think it's just one of those things. He's sore right now, but he, himself and the Mavs are not concerned about it moving forward. You know, Maybe it's something that you keep your eye on, but Until anybody says otherwise, this is, it's just bumps and bruises. Yeah. And he'll be fine. He's going to play in game two.
0: When you are the player with the stature of a Luka Doncic and you only score 20 points in this game, people are always going to be looking for excuses, right? Maybe not you Mm -hmm. personally, but other people will be like, well, maybe he's injured. He didn't shoot well. Maybe it's his shoulder. Maybe his arm. Everybody's beat up at this point. Yes. Um, So... He is dealing with some pain, I'm sure, in different parts of his body, but uh, I don't think this should affect him much in Game 2. At least
1: we hope not. No, I don't think so. That cut on his face probably affected yeah. him more than than the shoulder. That was brutal. That was it, early. It was a foul. You're right, Mike. Yeah, that They was. still lost the game,
0: but th- it was a foul. <laughs> <laughs> that was brutal. That was early on, too. <laughs> All right, in other news, it's official. Joel Embiid
1: wins the MVP award. According to the Philadelphia City Council. Calvin, what the hell is going on here? The the Philadelphia City Council announced this morning that they are giving Joel Embiid their own MVP award in order to soften the mental and emotional stress blow that he received by not winning the actual MVP award.
0: Please don't leave our city. Yeah, Are they borrowing it from Allen Iverson, or where are they getting this award
1: from? They made it up. Okay. It's kind of like when UCF announced that they were national champions after going undefeated, but yeah. they weren't given uh, the bid to play in in the a college football playoff. It's it's a participation award. Um, you know, we're just handing those out left and right. Next are the conference finals MVPs.
0: What's up, Key Kings? Good to see you here. I was watching uh, Happy Gilmore the other night. And uh he gets his first golf trophy and he's like, this is a sweet trophy, except there's a golfer up there. Maybe they can t- take this guy off and yeah. put a <laughs> hockey player up there or something. <laughs> kind of similar situation, yeah. right? Yeah. But anyways, enough joking aside, Joel and me and B definitely had an amazing season. Uh deserved, well deserved an MVP award. Um, but like I say, there's only one. So there could be 10 people that deserve an MVP award there's only one, only one person's going to get it, I think this is complete BS that the city's given him their own award that they made up out of thin air.
1: It's a feel-good story if you are a Philadelphia sports fan that doesn't feel good because your team lost. And maybe this gives Embiid one more reason
0: to stay in Philadelphia. I don't know. I I have no idea.
1: Uh, If he needs the city to stroke his ego like that in order to stay in Philadelphia, then he's got other issues. If this was
0: Jordan, if this was LeBron, if this was anybody else.
1: Jordan would have thrown this thing in the trash on national television.
0: Exactly. They would have been like, I don't want this made-up award. (laughs) They could have given him a key to the city. They could have given him something (laughs) cool. But you don't make a knockoff of the MVP trophy. It's it's lame. It's lame. Philly has the most obnoxious fans, by the way. (laughs) I love when their teams lose. I mean, Ivan, we all have that uh, that demon or whatever that we, that we don't like, that team, that fan base. For me, I have a few of those in basketball, but the one that really stands out to me the most in football is the Seattle Seahawks fans. I dislike them. I despise them. <laughs> They're so annoying. They come here to Hawaii. They try and well, change I all the TVs. They try and... Take up all the tables, and then they just talk about how Russell Wilson is the greatest quarterback, blah, blah, blah. They can't talk about that All anymore. this, I know. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah. But the root of my disdain for them was, and I'm not even a 49ers fan, I'm a Rams fan, but was that playoff game in Seattle where Navarro Bowman blows out his knee, Yeah, and they're carrying him off the field on a stretcher, And Seahawks fans are throwing beer bottles and shit at him. That, for me, was like, that's not okay. And it was like the whole fan base, it seemed like. Yes, there's probably like 20 people actually doing it. But it seemed like they were all cheering the injury. They were happy. Disgusting for me. I never want to see any of these guys get hurt. As much as I dislike the 49ers, I thought that was effed up. And I'll never forgive Seattle fans for that. And also, they try to take the Kings. So... Uh, that's two shots against them.
1: Yep. Yep. There are a lot of fan bases that have not had some such great moments <laughs> over the years. Philadelphia fans have definitely had their fair share of them. Raiders fans. Yeah, I mean, every fan base probably has had one or two moments that y- you're not very happy about.
0: Yeah, Warriors fans can get annoying as well, but I, I agree. But uh, I have a lot of family members that are Warriors fans, and they're okay. Uh, they just get annoying. But it's, so does any team that just always wins, right? And then their fans are just like, we're the greatest, blah, blah, kings suck. Anyways, I got two on a tangent there. We're going to bring <laughs> it back here. Uh, Ivan doesn't like Pistons fans. <laughs> Progressive G doesn't like Raiders fans. Yeah, we all have that fan base that we're like, oh, my God, come on.
1: I don't like on. Packer fans. Yeah, yeah. So. You Just
0: throw keep, them all out keep there. Keep your
1: cheese heads at home.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right, next up. Let's dive into the all-rookie teams were released, uh, I think it was yesterday. Uh, this is the Kia NBA all-rookie first team. Not sure how much Kia paid for this. I haven't seen any of these guys jump over a car yet, uh, so we'll see what happens Kia's there. Kia's
1: been sponsoring this for quite some time. So. Yeah,
0: but uh, officially the all-rookie first team is Scotty Barnes from Toronto. 100 first-place votes. Uh, Cade Cunningham from Detroit, also 100 first-place votes. Evan Mobley from Cleveland, also 100 first-place votes. Franz Wagner from Orlando and Jalen Green from Houston. All-rookie second team, Herbert Jones, surprise. Josh Giddy, Bones Highland, Ayo, I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. Ayo Dasumu. There you go. Ayo, oh, Ayo Dasumu and Chris Duarte from Indiana. Calvin, one year Chicago guys made it on this list, which is pretty exciting. Um, but I want to hear your thoughts here. I want to know why Davion Mitchell's not on this list
1: <laughs> and uh, just overall thoughts. <clears throat> well, first of all, um, this class is going to go down as one of the deepest draft classes in recent memory so that alone tells you that this there were going to be some tough decisions made here I don't think anybody really is um, going to give too much grief or complain too much about the first team selections especially the unanimous ones you could probably make a case that Josh Giddy does deserved more first place votes um, but I think all, all of those five guys on the first team first rookie team um, definitely deserved to be there you probably could have made an all rookie third team this year with how many good impactful rookies there were in the league so second team is really where I think there's more debate um, Davion Mitchell I think certainly deserved to be there I might have put him above guys like Desumu and Bones Highland um, Jonathan Kaminga and Jalen Suggs also, I think, deserve a lot of recognition. Suggs just, he got hurt. He only played, I think, 48 games, and that's probably why they ended up leaving him off the second team overall and, and giving it to, to other guys like DeSumo, who ended up playing a ton of games this year, started 40 and played in 77, even though his numbers, you know, aren't as good as some of these other guys. So um, I, I think in terms of snubs, Davion. Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Suggs probably are the the first ones that I would say deserve to be on the list. But at the end of the day, just like we've talked about with MVP voting and all this stuff, all these guys were deserving for different reasons. It's hard to really make a, a definitive decision on some of this stuff. Yeah, couldn't agree more. There's just a lot of talent
0: going into the NBA, which is great for us as fans. Uh, We're going to get to see all these guys grow up, uh, improve, get better. One of these guys will probably be, uh, you know, the face of at least one franchise uh, in the next 10 years, potentially more. Potentially could be the face of the NBA. Um, So it's exciting to see these guys get recognition. As a Kings fan, yes, I am disappointed that Davion Mitchell is not on this list. I think he could have beat out guys like Herb Jones, uh, Desumu, uh, some of these other guys, but you're right. There's so many good guys on this, on this list. As far as Davion Mitchell goes, I think that this is just going to be another chip on his shoulder that's going to make him work harder. Uh, I hope that all the other guys that feel like they deserve to be on this list will take it the same way. Uh, when you get snubbed from something, your city doesn't need to come up with an award for you to make yeah. you feel better. <laughs> you need to work harder, you need to get in the gym, and you need to prove people wrong next season. Yeah, I think that's the attitude that Davion Mitchell is going to have, and I honestly feel that every rookie needs to have that attitude. Even if you make this list, you're on sec- second team, you need to be like, I should have been all first team, and you need to add that to your game. And you can't get complacent if you, if you made it. If you're all rookie first team, you still gotta go at it and work hard and get better this offseason, come back stronger next season. I like these awards because it does give a little bit of uh satisfaction to some of these guys, like your hard work is paying off, but these awards ultimately mean nothing to me. And uh guys can use it as motivation or uh or they can use it as uh you know gratification. So
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I-, I agree with <clears throat> What you're saying about using it for motivation, to say that they meet the, the awards themselves mean nothing, I disagree with that. Um, I think that the guys who make these teams, you know, I remember making all league teams in high school and being incredibly proud of that. Well, it means something
0: and to them, but I'm yeah, just saying yeah. like this award is really nothing. In terms of, like, it's not an MVP, it's not a Rookie of the Year, it's It's not not, a championship. It it does mean
1: bonuses for a lot of these guys.
0: When you retire and you become an analyst, are they going, here's Calvin Miller, he made all-rookie second team his rookie year, and that's
1: it? Well, if that's the only accomplishment I had in the pros, I think, first of all, people would bring it up because it's your only accolade, (laughs) right? But generally speaking you you hear all these resumes and stuff P- guys that make the their all rookie teams they go on to make all star teams yeah you know it happens a lot i mean it's not just I, I think it means a little bit more than it's just nice for the player right like okay it, it's uh there's only seventy five all first teams in in n b a history That's well, true. I don't think they even gave the all rookie team for the first however many years of the league so there's even less than that yeah they added it as a club. participation
0: trophy basically. it's oh come on <laughs> this is more than a
1: participation
0: trophy <laughs> i'm just mad about davion mitchell
1: <laughs> no as you should be and i think he will be too although ultimately i don't think this is what f- fires or fuels the fire for davion mitchell maybe he uses this as some motivation it's another log David. to throw it, in there it doesn't yeah yeah yeah
0: The fire should already be burning. It's just another log to throw in there.
1: And I also think that they need, just like we were talking about giving out the MVP award earlier, they need to make these decisions earlier as well because I don't know actually what the deadline is for turning your votes in, but guys like Herb Jones, um, Bones Highland, both of those guys played into the postseason. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know how much that affected voters. Davion Mitchell did not. He did not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they need to pick it up, and they need to get these awards out much sooner. Yeah. Uh, they just try and stagger them. And I know what they're doing, you know. It's like things start to slow down now. Or there's a game a day or a game every other day, so they need to have other things to keep the excitement and things going. But come on, man. Come on.
1: Yeah. And let's be real. Even though there's only one game a day right now, there's so much for us to talk about in those one game or in that one game that we don't, Need the yep. all rookie teams to add any conversation, you know, there's plenty of stuff to talk about.
0: Yeah. I still think Davion Mitchell should have been on this list, but I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. I
1: think he, he probably should have.
0: Yep. I want to hear your thoughts in the chat. Let me know how you feel about these rookie participation awards. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh what you think about them, if you feel like they're important, if you th- feel like they're valuable, if you feel like anybody uh, was missed, um, or there's somebody on this list that doesn't belong there, let us know in the chat because I'd love to know your guys' opinions. They matter to me greatly. <laughs> just Our, like
1: the participation awards.
0: I mean, I <laughs> their opinions matter more to me than these awards do.
1: I'm just giving you a hard time.
0: All right, so let's talk about Wednesday's game. Uh Let's do it. Calvin was right. Actually, we were both right because I think we both took Golden State in this game. I took Dallas, or I, I predicted Dallas, Dallas would lose this game and they would come back strong in game two. Um, did you place a bet with Ethan as well? Because I placed two bets with him. They both lost. It I was, did not. Okay. it was. Uh, any bets with it was the over, and it was Dallas winning, and it was like – I can't remember who it was. It was supposed to be Doncic scoring the first points yeah. of the game. Yeah. Anyways, Golden State wins 112-87 for the first game in the series to take a 1-0 lead. The game was in Golden State. Steph Curry leads the Warriors with 21 points in this game. Not a lot of scoring in this game, surprisingly. 21-12 for Steph Curry, 12 rebounds. Wow, that's exciting. Uh, 15 for Klay Thompson. 10 points for Kavon Looney. 19 for Andrew Wiggins. 10 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, a block for Draymond Green. 10 points off the bench for Otto Porter. 19 for Jordan Poole. He shot 8 of 12 from the field, which is pretty amazing. Uh, Luka Doncic. Underwhelming performance in this game, 20 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, 7 turnovers for him. 14 points for Jalen Brunson, 12 for Reggie Bullock, and uh, 17 off the bench for Spencer Dinwiddie. Dallas loses, as I mentioned, One twelve eighty-seven. I had some concerns coming into this game. Uh, I know you did as well. This Dallas team sometimes is all there and sometimes has a big problem scoring. It's part of the deal when you rely on the three that heavily, right? live by the three, die by the three. I think they shot like 22% from three-point range in this game.
1: It was the second most missed three-point field goals in a playoff game in postseason history.
0: Yeah, it was even worse early on in the game. They missed so many wide-open shots early on in this game, allowed uh, Golden State to kind of build a lead, and then they never looked back. Calvin, what were your thoughts on this game?
1: What did I say yesterday, Barry? Who's the key to this series? Yeah, you said Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins. 19 points. He got started. He got off to a good start early, hit the first three of the game, um, and the Warriors never looked back. When he scores and when he is engaged on offense, the Warriors usually win. I also said that he was going to be the guy – they used primarily on Luca, right? Yep. It wasn't just him. The Warriors do it as a team. But Wiggins did a great job on Luca on the perimeter. He picked him up early, forced him um, to start, the, uh, start their offense late into the shot clock. He was all over him using that big, long wingspan. Um, and they limited Luca's effectiveness in the paint, which is where he kills teams. Luca did hit. How many threes? Or I guess only three. But he, he attempted ten threes, only attempted seven shots in the paint. So that is the key to the Warriors' success against this team. They're really good at recovering to three-point shooters as well. So they got guys like Looney and Draymond Green that are going to help on Doncic on the drive. Again, building a wall. It's kind of like defending Giannis, mm-hmm. but a, a really really slow Giannis. Right? Giannis can take one step and be from half court yeah. to the paint. Luka slowly works his way into the paint, but once he gets in there, he kills you because he's so good with his footwork, pump fakes. He gets you up in the air, gets uh, people in foul trouble, or he finds guys in the corner for wide-open threes. The Warriors did a great job of building a wall against him and uh, keeping him out of the paint early and often, and they also recover really, really well to the shooters on the outside, which is what Phoenix and Utah failed to do in the first round. Yeah, we saw
0: saw a little bit of zone in this game. We saw some box and one (laughs) coverage in this game. Uh, Luka Doncic needs to play better if the Dallas Mavericks are going to win. And the Mavericks as a whole just need to make some shots. Like, that was the thing for me in this game. I know that the Warriors played good. Their defense, you know, everything was good, but there was just so many missed wide-open shots for Dallas, especially early in this game. They were getting offensive rebounds. They were kicking it out. I, I can't even count the amount of times I saw them have three, four shot attempts and missed every single one of them. They are getting rebounds. They are passing the ball nice. They just couldn't make shots.
1: They missed a lot of shots. There were a, a ton of contested shots as well in this game, especially in the second half. Yeah. Um and then again, what did we say yesterday? When the Warriors are on offense, they go about business a little bit differently than Dallas has seen so far in the postseason. The ball movement was amazing. Um and their their individual players' ability to create shots for themselves. Jordan Poole did a ton of that last night. Steph Curry did it as well. And then again, in the second half, just wearing down your defense, having to work for twenty to twenty-four seconds of the shot clock while the ball swings back from left to right. Um, after a while of that, Mm -hmm. it it wears the defense down, and that's when you get the easy dump-offs inside to guys like Green and Looney or the back cuts to Clay Thompson. Um, I think that is ultimately the reason why the Warriors have the advantage in this series. Yeah. Um, I like the game plan early on in this game for Dallas. As
0: I mentioned on yesterday's show, they were going to go right after Draymond Green. They got him in foul trouble. He had three fouls in the second quarter picked up that fourth one in the third quarter. They kind of went away from that, but the problem is they weren't just making any shots. You know, like if Draymond Green is on the bench in foul trouble, but you're down 22 and you're still not making any shots, it doesn't help. Uh, so they need they need to play better on offense, and you think they need to continue to go after Draymond Green. Um, you know, Looking at Steph Curry, he didn't have an incredible game. Klay Thompson didn't have an incredible game. Yes, Wiggins had 19 points, and that's great for them. Draymond Green had 10 points in this game. I saw a statistic earlier today saying that when Draymond Green scores 10 points in a playoff game, the Warriors are, like, almost undefeated. Like, it's, it's incredible. Um, but if I'm going back to the drawing board, if I'm Dallas, I'm okay with the defense they played yes, you need to get a couple more stops late in the game, but they just weren't there offensively. And that was the main deal for me.
1: They were not. And a lot of that, again, give the Warriors some credit, right? They held Luca to his worst post game yep. so far this season. Um, and if the Warriors are going to continue to win games and win this series, part of it is going to be how they defend Luca. Um, part of it is also, you know, like we said before that Mavericks live and die by the three and they definitely died with it yesterday. Um, On offense, Dallas needs to continue going at Jordan Poole. He is the weak point of this defense, especially with how many minutes a game he's playing Mm -hmm. now. I would much rather see them attack him than Draymond Green, even though, yes, you want to try and get Draymond in foul trouble. That's a huge win if you're the Mavericks. They're going to continue to go at Steph and at Jordan Poole by trying to get them switched into one-on-one matchups with Luka. But as you mentioned, it's just one game – Out of every team in the playoffs, Dallas has been the best at making in-game and in-series adjustments Mm -hmm. from one game to the next. Um, They have three 20-point wins in this postseason. They also have three 20-point losses in this postseason. So they've been very, very up and down. Uh, They've got to come back with a better effort in game two, though, for sure. One thing that really surprised (laughs) me in this
0: game with Golden State was they did not shoot Well, from the free throw line, really concerning. We've seen, and it's funny that I'm even breaking this down because it's like, what's one guy you're not concerned about shooting? And that's Steph Curry, right? The dude is like, I think, 92% from the line for his career.
1: I think it's almost 91% for his career. He shot 92% this season. This season, yes. But in the playoffs, he's shooting like 85 or 86%. He was
0: four of seven from the free throw line in this game. And the Warriors, as a team, shot 62% from the free throw line. That's a little concerning for me. Yeah, definitely. It's just one game, but if Dallas showed up offensively, if they made a bunch of these shots and this was a close game, that's how you lose the game is missing free throws in a tight game. So we'll see what happens in game two. I'm not hitting the panic button on Steph Curry or the Warriors. It's just something that kind of stood out to me where I'm like, What's going on here? Why are they missing free throws? Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Again, I, I think it's another reason why I'm concerned if I'm Dallas. I mean, we talked about the Warriors' turnover issues. They had 15 turnovers in this game. They didn't really shoot the ball that well. They were they did shoot really well from two, and, and overall from the field they were like 56%, but didn't shoot it well from three, didn't shoot it well at the free throw line. Um, how, long, how much longer is that going to continue? I don't know. So yep. if you're Dallas and you only scored 87 points in game one, the Warriors only scored 112 points. Like, they could easily come back with 125 in game two. And then, if you're Dallas, what do you do? You have to really turn it up a notch on offense. Everybody needs
0: to bet the over on game two because I think it's going to be a shootout. I agree with Progressive G here. If I'm Dallas, I'm giving Draymond every shot he wants to double up on Steph and Clay. I mean, that should have been the game plan for them for the past five years. Doing it is a whole nother. Thing.
1: That That is definitely true. It's a good point and a lot of teams try to do that anyway, but really what, with Draymond what you have to be more attuned to and, and more ready to stop is when they he gets the ball and starts the break. Draymond Green kills teams with that mm. over and over and over again. You've got to stop him once around half court before he gets a full head of steam going. Um, Because with how well the Warriors move off the ball, those guards, the way they float and relocate to the three-point line, you're getting either a layup or a wide-open three for one of the best shooters in the world every time that Draymond breaks the the break out or leads the break. Excellent passer, and that always helps.
0: Key King says, with the four teams left, who would you guys say is the least likely to make the finals? Sorry, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm I picking Dallas to win this series, um, but I'm also saying Dallas is the least likely. Wow, how does that work? I have no idea.
1: <laughs> I have no it idea. works like Al Horford's COVID test. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess so.
0: I guess so. I just want to see the Mavericks make it, I guess. That's, that's where I'm at there. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Game two is huge. It's a huge game. Um, and even if they lose game two, we've seen them come back from 0-2. Yeah, This year Yeah, in the playoffs. Have, so it doesn't mean it's over, but they need to make some adjustments, and they just, bottom line, need to shoot better. They need to shoot better. You live by the three, you die by the three. Game one, they died by the three. They did. <laughs> All right, any other thoughts uh, about this game or this series before we move on?
1: No, I think we can move on.
0: All right, so we have one game today. It's in Miami, just like game one. Miami does lead the series 1-0. Boston's traveling. Um, and just taking a look here, Marcus Smart still day-to-day. This game kicks off in about two hours now. He's listed as day-to-day. Derek White, as you mentioned, is out. Kyle Lowry is out. Uh, Gabe Vincent day-to-day. Max Struss day-to-day. Uh, I expect all these guys to play. Mm-hmm except for Kyle Lowry and Derek White.
1: Definitely keep an eye on P.J. Tucker. I, I still think he's going to play, but he definitely looked the most hobbled I've seen him so far in the postseason yep. in game one. Um, he was gutting it out for sure. But Miami's only favored by one in this game. I want to hear your thoughts, Kyle. This is, I hate to use the term must win, for Boston, but I think this is a must-win game for the Celtics. I okay. really do. If they lose this game, Miami is undefeated in the postseason at home this year. So if they lose this game and go down 2-0, Miami still has two more games potentially in at FTX Arena to win that series. I assume Boston's going to get some wins at home, but if if Miami is able to steal one game in Boston, this series could be over qu- much quicker than we thought it would. So this, they've got to go out and get this game tonight.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I still think Miami wins the series. Um, but if Boston wins tonight, maybe it's a 6-7 game series. If Miami wins tonight, it could be a 5-game series. It could even be a 4-game series. Oh, no. Um, you're,
1: you're using that sweep word
0: again. I'm not using the word. <laughs> I'm not using the word. I'm just saying could. Could be. Um, but you're right. Uh, I think that Boston needs to win this game. And I think they're going to have a much better outlook in this game uh, without Horford back, potentially having Marcus Smart back. Um, I think they have a better shot at winning this game, but I'm still picking Miami to win the series.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Um, Miami's got a a huge advantage right now, and that's Jimmy Butler. The dude is playing at an incredibly high level, and I want to see how Marcus Smart's – foot is feeling how he's looking out there because if he is close to a hundred percent, they might not completely stop Jimmy Butler, but maybe he only has twenty instead of forty, you yeah. know, and that's a huge difference that that is a much easier gap to overcome um also obviously, having smart out there is going to uh have a rip trickle down effect through the rest of the roster, right? You really saw the inexperience at times of guys like Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Niesmith, who's only played like seven minutes this postseason mm-hmm. before he had to step up and play some big minutes in game one. Um, those guys are good players, but they're inexperienced in these moments. Um, they're not the best defenders, although Niesmith did have a couple really nice chase down blocks in that game one. Yeah. But Peyton Pritchard, for one thing, they're just going to continue to go at him on offense, Miami will. Uh, and you saw him make some questionable shot decisions in game one. So that that's really going to help not having to have those guys play 20-plus minutes or whatever in a game. Um, and then Horford, too, uh, you know, obviously will help around the rim. Uh, another big body that can help inside rebounding against Bam and Dwayne Dedman. But um, th- this game really hinges on how healthy, I think, Marcus Smart is. What do you
0: think the Celtics need to do to win this game?
1: Well, number one, they, they just have to be more disciplined. Like, they had this game right where they wanted it at halftime mm-hmm. in game one. Um, and then they came out really, really sloppy with the ball. Easy, easy, really. Uh, easily red passes being picked off left and right to start that third quarter. 22-2 to two run from the Heat, and they never looked back. This game was over yep. after that. So I, I think they just, in terms of a game plan, they don't really have to change that much. Uh, Tatum was really hot to start the game. They need to keep going through him early on. They've got to get some complimentary role players to come in and hit some big time threes, which they definitely are capable of doing that. And Marcus Smart can even be one of those guys as well. But I think they just need to be more disciplined with the ball, which Smart will help with too, take better care of it. Uh, it, Because on the road in a playoff game, Mm -hmm. you can't have a stretch where you turn the ball over five, six times in a row. That just will not work. The
0: game just gets away from you at that point.
1: Yeah, for me, my my keys of the game is Jason
0: Tatum's got to be Jason Tatum. I think he needs to score over 30 points in this game. I'm leaning more towards 35, uh, maybe maybe add on to that. I think Al Horford's got to try and stay out of foul trouble in this game. Um, And then I think Marcus Smart has got to find a way to contribute in this game and not be a liability for his team.
1: Yeah, and defensively, Boston really needs to do a better job of Picking up these shooters in the dribble handoffs. Miami loves to run guys like Max Strus and Duncan Robinson when he plays Tyler Hero around Sometimes all the way from one side of the court to the other up around the top of the key for a dribble handoff that gets him a wide open three um, Boston needs to see that coming more. They need to be ready to jump those handoff passes and try to contest some of those shots because Strus and Hero Um, Knocking down threes early on gives them a ton of confidence, and Miami is a whole different team when they've got those guys knocking down threes.
0: Yep, yep. Boston needs to muck it up. They need to uh, let their defense shine, and they need to make things difficult. I know it's only been one game in each series so far, Calvin, but I want to know, as of right now, who are your MVPs of the conferences For the finals, or the conference finals. Well,
1: the East is pretty easy, right? I mean, how could it not be Jimmy Butler after just one game? Um, Pretty impressive game one, though. So I think you easily give it to him. For the West, uh, it's probably Steph Curry right now. But, um, you know, I think that one's a little bit more of a wide-open race.
0: Progressive G wants to know what your thoughts are on Jalen Brown and his play. And while we're answering that, We might as well shift here into Q&A. So if you guys have any questions, uh, we got answers. So if you have any questions, please post them in the chat. Uh, Topics, subjects, any stuff you want to discuss, we'd be happy to go over it. And we're going to start that off with this. So what are your thoughts on Jalen Brown's play so far?
1: Jalen Brown's been great for them. I think he's done exactly what what they need from him. He is... I think at this point, he's basically their number two, right? Like Tatum has, has elevated his game to an, another level. I think most people view that as his team now. Um, so Jalen Brown it has been a great number two f- for him all postseason. It, the difference when Boston wins and when they lose is they get somebody else to come up big for them. It's They can't just rely on Brown and Tatum every game to win. They need Al Horford to come up with a big game, or they need Marcus Smart to hit a bunch of threes, or Grant Williams has a career game. Um, that, that's the recipe for success for them. Miami is a lot the same way. I mean, Jimmy Butler has taken his, his play to a new level in the postseason, but all year long they've been a pretty equal opportunity team. It's um, having those games where your role players come up big for you, that makes, makes a big difference, especially in a playoff game.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. There was uh, some time there where we weren't sure who was going to be the best player on the Celtics team, right? If it was going to be Jalen Brown, if it was going to be Jason Tatum, they were both high draft picks with a lot of upside, a lot of potential. I think you're right. Jason Tatum has taken the reins. This is his team. Jalen Brown is the Robin to his Batman, and I think he's done an exceptional job this season. He's played incredibly well, 23 points per game. He's definitely, you know, moved uh, in the right direction there. And then as far as the playoffs go, I think he's had a, a great performance here in the playoffs. Uh, he's scored really well. He's only had three games his postseason in the teens, and that's 12, uh, 19, or 18, and 19. All the rest of these games, 24, 30, 27, 23. Like, the dude has been very productive, and he's shot the ball pretty well. Uh, Most of these games, he's shooting 40 uh, to 50 percent from three point range and 40 to 50 percent from the field. So I think his contributions have been great. Um, I think he is trying to figure out still what exactly his role is on this team. I think it's a little bit more difficult and it's weird that I say this, but I think it's a little bit more difficult sometimes being Robin than being Batman, because. Batman's role is defined. You know what you want what you need from him and Robin's kind of the guy that goes in and fills in all the little pieces and make things work So I think that Jalen Brown is still trying to figure out exactly how to be that guy Uh, Having Marcus Smart out there helps him a lot. But without that he has to be that Stopper um, that guy that just does everything else to help Jason Tatum. I think he's done a great job so far um and, you know, if, if he were to take another step forward maybe next season or this offseason, Celtics are going to be – they're already a great team. They're going to be an incredibly good team next year.
1: Yeah, I think he's gotten better, you know, pretty much every year he's been in the league. Definitely. Um, so, that, of course, Boston's in a great spot right now. For, for Just from their franchise standpoint, they're going to be good for a long time. Yep,
0: yep. I agree. Uh, Mike Brown made his first coaching move, uh, bringing in an assistant from Denver, uh, Jordy Fernandez. Kevin, what are your thoughts on that move?
1: Um, I don't really know too much about Jordy Fernandez. You know, when when a coach fills out their their bench, it's with guys that they trust, and and you know, you hope that. Um, they end up making the same types of contributions on the Kings bench, so uh, it it's a little early to tell, I think, but exactly what how what type of impact that's going to have on the Kings as an organization. But if Mike Brown likes the guy and he trusts him, then you got to go with that. Just like we we're, we were saying, if the if Monty in the front office likes and trusts Mike Brown, then we got to go with that, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, it, it's interesting. If you were to account the amount of guys that have gone from Denver to Sacramento in the past 10 years, it's incredible. It's been front office guys. It's been coaches. Now we're bringing in an assistant coach here. Uh, I'm happy with it. But like Calvin said, at this point, as a fan, you got to kind of step back and say, I trust these guys. I trust the GM and the decisions he's going to make. He trusts this coach, so I trust the coach. Coach wants to bring in this guy. He's building his team, you know, like uh, I have a feeling that this is not just uh, a whim or something like that. You know, if you've been a head coach in the NBA and you've been an assistant coach for this long waiting for your next opportunity, I'm pretty sure you already have a list in your mind of guys that you're like, I enjoy working with this guy. Definitely. I want this guy with me. Or I'm sure they probably even talked about it in the past. Um, So... I think it's another good coaching mind to bring to Sacramento. They seem to be on the same page, and uh, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah. What do you think of the Kings going after Omir Yurtseven? Uh, he had a monster stretch filling in for Bam while he was out, and he's been riding the bench ever since. The dude started 12 games uh, this year, played in 56 for Miami, Averaging 5.3 points per game, 5.3 rebounds per game. He is a seven-footer. Calvin,
1: what are your thoughts? I like this guy's game. I I think that he could actually be a a pretty pretty good player in this league. He can shoot it. Uh, He's a good rebounder. He seems to move his feet pretty well for a seven-footer. I need to watch a little bit more of him on defense um, to know what he's really, really capable of. As far as... The Kings going after him. Again, I, I would much rather them just re-sign Damian Jones and forget about the center position altogether let, and focus on other areas of need. Power forward, wing, shooting guard. Th- those are the things they need to improve the most. Yeah, so here's the stretch that he had
0: while Bam was out. 16 and 15, 10 and 14, 10 and 13, 22 and 16, 5 and 17, 14 and 16, 7 and 16. 13-10, 17-11, 22-11. Some great games, some great performances. Yeah, and,
1: again, he's an undrafted guy. Um, Miami is really, really good at finding those guys out there that can play that get passed up or, or looked over. Um, and I do think that this guy's got some talent and can definitely play in this league. But, again, as it pertains to the Kings, I think they need to focus on other positions first.
0: Yeah, I agree. What's up, Fred? Good to see you here. Thank you for joining us. We're talking about the Kings here right now, so we're having fun. Um, But yeah, I I think the Kings need to look internally and figure out who's on their roster that they want to keep before they go out and start looking at other people um, like him. Yes, I'm looking out for Bradley Beal, John Collins, guys like that. But if I'm looking at a a young prospect like this, I already have a ton on the roster, and I need to decide which one of those guys I'm going to keep let go stuff like that. Oh man, you have COVID. I'm sorry to hear I'm that. I'm sorry, fam. man. Calvin, and I just had that a couple of weeks ago. It was not fun at all. You got a headache and, uh, and body aches or, or what are your symptoms? Glad to hear you are getting better. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun at all. It's not fun at all. Hopefully you got, uh, some free time to, you know, take care of yourself and, and you're not overwhelmed with too much stuff going on. I actually missed one of my best friends' weddings and Calvin missed a wedding as well. So um Yeah, that's tough. It's tough, man. It sucks. It's tough. Take it easy on yourself and uh hopefully you get better. But thank you for spending some time with us. Uh we appreciate that. If you guys have any more questions or anything else, uh feel free to let us know in the chat and we uh will be happy to go over those. Otherwise, Uh, we're going to call it a day and get ready, uh, for some basketball. Oh, you got it at a wedding. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. It's coming back strong. It's coming Mm -hmm. back strong. That's a bummer. Anything else, Calvin, you want to mention about today's game? Um, did you, did you call over under or anything like that?
1: No, I haven't made any predictions. Um, I would lean more towards the under today if, Orford and Smart are going to be playing. It's 207. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's low, but I'll probably take the under.
0: The last game combined is at like 225. Wow. I think I'm taking the over in this game. And uh, I'm going to pick Miami
1: to win. Here you go. Okay. I'll take Boston win just because uh, I think this series is going to be a seven-game series, and if Boston doesn't win today, the likelihood of it going seven isn't very th- high. Yeah. So uh, I'll take Boston for this game.
0: Yeah. Fred wants to know if there's any G League players that you like.
1: Emmanuel Terry. Yeah. Love that guy. Is he available? Well, he was on the Stockton Kings. I don't yeah. know if he still is, but... Yeah. Sometimes
0: I feel like a lot of guys in the Stockton Kings get called up to other teams (laughs) (laughs) and then you're like, wow, they've been playing great in Stockton. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, what? Maybe Vivek's daughter will prevent that from happening here in the future. Perhaps. I don't know. Dyson Daniels. What are your thoughts on Dyson Daniels?
1: Um, I don't know too much about him to be honest. Sounds like a vacuum uh, cleaner to me. I pay, uh, Again, to be honest, I pay very little attention to the G League. So, just throwing that out there.
0: There's a <laughs> lot of basketball to watch. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you know, some people underestimate it. When you're only watching one team, it's like you still got 82 games to watch, <coughs> plus preseason, plus playoffs. If you do make the playoffs, stuff like that. If you're watching all the teams or the whole league, like, there's so much to watch. Plus, you got the college basketball tournament and the normal season. You have summer league. You got the G League. Uh, There's so much to watch. Plus, a lot of these guys have started playing overseas now, so then you got to pay attention to that. So, uh, as much as we wish we knew everything and every prospect, we don't. Um, But the guys that we do know uh, will definitely, you know, give you our opinion. And if we don't know, we'll take the time to learn. So, uh, we'll definitely be. Uh, Doing a deep dive in this offseason as far as guys we like in the draft, guys we like Mm -hmm. in free agency, uh, people in the G League, maybe international prospects, stuff like that. So, we're definitely going to put out a a bunch of content uh, regarding that. We talked about Keegan Murray a little bit on, uh, what was that, Tuesday. Brief thoughts on Keegan Murray? Love Keegan Murray.
1: I think he might be the most NBA-ready prospect in the draft this year, I, I'm also starting to think that I might like a scenario of the Kings trading down with Detroit. So n- not a f- long way down, but if you can send uh pick number four to Detroit for pick five and a player, you might still be able to get Keegan Murray. Yeah. And pick up a roster filler that way. Um so I, I do think that Murray is a is a really really good player. Uh, and it would be a pretty safe pick yeah. in this draft. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Ivan, this is the question I've been pondering. If it's down to <laughs> Shaden Sharp and Jaden Ivy, who would you take? Uh, on Tuesday, I was all on the Jaden Ivy train. I've watched some more footage since then, and it's getting a little bit closer for me. Um I think that Shaden Sharp might have a higher ceiling just because the athleticism and stuff like that and seems to have a better three ball than Jaden Ivey. But there's also a lot more questions around him too, right? Like the dude is younger. He did exactly what I did. He graduated uh, high school early and went right into college like a weekend in between. Um, We didn't see him play at all in college. Um, And I think his athleticism his game like it's all amazing Jaden ivy seems like more of a for sure thing to me but also when i look at Jaden ivy he's very ball dominant and i think about De'Aaron fox and how that's going to work um i think about davion mitchell is already a ball dominant guard that we have as well and you know how are all three of those guys is there going to be enough for them I like both of the prospects. I honestly don't think the Kings could go wrong with either one of them at this point, but it's, it's really tough for me to choose one. Uh, Calvin.
1: Yeah. I think you have to decide ultimately if you're going the best available player route or if you're going for the best fit for the team at that point. Um, You know, I think both of those guys, Ivy and Sharp have a very high ceiling, very high potential, um, and then, yeah, you're right. Is is Ivy too ball dominant to mix in with the guards that you already have? Can he become a better catch-and-shoot player? Um, I think right now he's the better two-way player. And Sharp is – they're both great athletes. Sharp yep. is a much better shooter at this point in time. And he's he can a play little the bit three. bigger. He yep. can play the three maybe. Maybe. So the, there's it, – it's a really good debate to have at the moment. And, and I'm still trying to grapple with the fact of maybe I don't want either of those guys and I want Murray instead. So I'm not sure at this point. We still got over
0: a month. Uh, these draft boards or these mock drafts, they move a lot. Yeah. Like you'll see a lot of action here in the next month. Maybe in the, not in the top one, two, um, or three, but it is tough. And, yeah, if you're the Kings, are you going with a guy like Ivy who maybe is more ready to win now? He's a little bit older um or are you going with a guy like Sharp who you feel might fit better but he's younger and it might take him longer to get to where you need to be uh it's a tough decision it is it is a really tough decision and then you could throw in the thing of like do we trade the pick yeah too right that makes it even tougher i'm going to go back to what we've been saying here they need to figure out the 2 they need to figure out the 4 you have a couple young players you have some expiring contracts Uh, And you have a really good draft pick now. How do you use all those to plug those positions? So as much as I like both of these young guys, and I'd be ecstatic to have them on my team, I've also been watching the Kings over the last 15 years try to add talent. And as a fan, as a Kings fan especially, when you have been so bad for so long – is you get kind of addicted to the lottery. You get addicted to the young player. Oh, he's 17, he's 18. His ceiling is so high. Mm-hmm. And you get almost blinded by that where you're like, why would I draft this guy who's NBA ready when this guy's ceiling is so much higher? I'd love to have him. But that doesn't mean he's going to reach the ceiling, you know? So yeah. it it really is a very tough pick um, for Monty McNair. And, yeah, they need to figure it out. They need to figure it out. If you were drafting today, Calvin, who would it be?
1: Man, that's tough. At four?
0: At four. Well, well, first off, I guess this is hard for you to to answer because you don't know all the deals. Are you trading or are you keeping (laughs) the pick?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's so hard to answer because, first of all, we don't even know who the first three picks are going to be. So that that could change things, right? If, if Jabari Smith all of a sudden is yeah. there at number four, do you take him? Uh, you, a lot of people probably would, so I, I'm not sure.
0: And we saw the going. Anthony Bennett draft too, right, yeah. where that dude was projected to the Kings at, like, pick number eight or ten or something like that, and then all of a sudden it's like Anthony Bennett, number yeah. one. Yeah. And you know Cleveland's like, he's the next LeBron James, he's a tweener, blah, blah, blah.
1: Didn't quite work out.
0: You never know. You never know. Um, But, yeah, it's it's a tough choice. I I like both of those guys. I think the Kings are in a great position here where pick four, I think, is probably where the guards are going to start coming off the board. And the Kings need a guard. So it's like they might be in the ideal position where – You're not drafting best available versus fit. Your best available and your fit could be the same guy. And if that's true, that's a dream scenario for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. Yeah. I think with Dante, if we re-sign him, two guards is okay. I think we need longer athletic three small forwards. Yeah, I mean, Calvin and I have been preaching that as well, right? They need athletic wings that can shoot and defend, and there are a ton of those guys already in the league. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens.
1: It's pretty interesting.
0: Did you tell me who you were, who you were picking?
1: I didn't. I dodged it. Um, I I'd probably take Ivy. Yeah, probably take Ivy.
0: At this point, I'd probably take Ivy as well because I think he is the safer pick. But uh, no shade to Sharp. I like him yeah. a lot and my opinion could very well change in the next month or so. Um, There's just a lot more mystery around him. And that's what happens when you don't play any college ball. Um, But at the same time,
1: for for me, I just keep coming back to defense. Like the Kings were a top 10 offensive efficiency and, and point per game team all year last year. And for most of the year, they were in like the top six. So, if they can just bring that defensive efficiency up a little bit, that's the quickest way to get into the playoffs. Ivy is a guy that helps with that immediately. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and Ivan, you know, you bring up a good point too here, right, with with Dante and if we're able to re-sign him. This kind of goes back to that whole debate where a lot of people are frustrated that the draft comes before free agency, right? Because if free agency was first, you would know what you're trying to draft for yeah because you would have already like oh we signed Kawhi Leonard we don't need a small forward right. now or right. or you know just moves like that even within your own roster of re-signing guys so it's kind of in a precarious position here where you have the draft before free agency and so you are scrambling to figure out who is the best fit who is the best pick at where you're picking and then you try and fill it in with free agency afterwards, so it is kind of weird, yeah, you have any thoughts on that? Do you think free agency should be before the draft
1: um, i I've never really thought of that before i i don't know i'm not i don't nah, i don't think so. I think free agency should come after the draft
0: okay yeah it's it's uh it's interesting maybe there needs to be like a period where you can re-sign the guys on your roster first and then the draft and then regular free agency but then that makes it tough on guys that are restricted right where it's like like deandre ayton where yeah. it's like okay ayton, yeah. here's your chance to resign with phoenix and they're like okay we'll give you a uh, 15 million a year and he's like i want to get a max deal and he'd have to wait so yeah i mean there's no perfect system that i can think of right but uh interesting point you brought up and yes, I, I hope that Dante does resign with Sacramento, but um having this draft pick might open up some other possibilities as well. I think it should come after words. I can't give you a good reason why. <laughs> yeah, that is straight.
1: exactly what I was thinking. Like I I don't have a really a- anything to validate what why I think it should come after. I just think it should come after. Yeah.
0: Fred, uh, we are going to be manscaping at the start of next season. Um, We paused our partnership with Manscaped um, on Royal Rebounds because we just haven't had enough content to really put out. Um, So we will be starting as soon as the season starts again.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's an interesting thought. It's interesting idea.
0: All right, guys. uh, Anything else you want to say before we wrap it up here?
1: have a good Thursday. Enjoy the game. Should be a good one.
0: Yes. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. We will see you all tomorrow for Aloha Friday. And uh, we will have uh, some more thoughts on tonight's game, uh preview of tomorrow's game. And I'm sure there will be a f- lot of fun, interesting NBA news that comes out in the next 24 hours and maybe we'll even talk about Al Horford, and uh, we can bring a scientist on the show or somebody <laughs> to uh, break it down. Uh, Calvin's dad is I'll, a scientist. I'll ask my dad so, yeah. uh, <laughs> maybe he can explain it all to us. But thank you guys so much for joining us. We appreciate you all. Have a wonderful day. Watch some basketball. And as always, don't forget to tip your bartender.